Well, now I know what Noah felt like when that bird came back and had some green in its beak. Man, welcome everybody. Did you know what it was when you woke up this morning and you saw that bright orb shining there in the distance? Uh, man, it has been a, uh, just a miserable week, uh, unless you just really like the rain. Um, if you do, then this has been your week. Uh, but I saw some ducks saying, I'm gone. I mean, I'm, I'm out of here. This is enough. Uh, man, it has been rough, and I know people have been getting sick, and uh, man, it was great to be able to see the sunshine this morning, and of course, we give thanks uh, for sun and rain, but boy, have we been looking forward to the sunshine, and I can tell by the way that uh, you have participated already this morning in our worship that, that you are energized with the sun, and you are glad to, glad to be able to, uh, to enjoy that. Uh, I just want to echo what I know are um, thoughts that are already present here this morning. We so appreciate, uh, Bo, the service that you have given to um, our congregation here, and not only to um, our congregation, but also to uh, the Brainerd congregation, the leadership that you gave there. Uh, Miss Pat, thank you so much also uh, for the way in which you uh, have uh, been a servant and for the way that you have been an encourager to your husband and to so many others who are here. And uh, we, um, again, just want to say thank you so much for your willingness to, um, to lead us and for the way in which you have often uh, gone to the throne in prayer on behalf of this congregation, and we greatly appreciate that. Know you will continue to be praying, and know you will continue to be working here with us. We thank you so much for that service. Also want to um, say I'm excited about um, having uh, Garrett be a part of uh, this yak ministry that we have, our young adults in college uh, age, and I appreciate already the work that he and his wife have been doing, and looking forward to him being a part of that um, deacon team, uh, working in that. That is uh, that's a great thing, and so please be in prayer for for he and for his family. I ask you to do that. I know that he will greatly greatly appreciate it. Um, and speaking of of yak, um, you know one of the um, deacons that we had working in that ministry. Uh, way back uh, in the beginning was um, Chris Marshall. Um, Chris, are you here this morning? Chris, hey, how's your house selling going, buddy? We have to give an update every once in a while, just kind of see how things are going. How are things going? It's all right. Look at that. If you're new to our family here, the Marshalls have been with us for many years and um, that the family has served in so many ways. I mentioned that Chris was a part of our yak ministry uh, from its uh, inception. And uh, they have been waiting for their house to sell uh, so that the complete family, um, or at least husband and wife, can be in West Virginia uh, together. And so they've been waiting on that. The house is finally sold. Every once in a while we get updates about that. I tried to um, say really nice things about him a few months ago, only for him to say, it didn't sell, and I'm not leaving. Uh, so now I want to take this opportunity to tell you, man, he is an awesome guy. Miss Bobby is a wonderful woman. He has some great children, and that's why his parents named him Chris. I mean, that is why. And so he is one of my, he is one of my favorites. But Chris, we are, uh, we are excited that your house um, has sold, but we are saddened that, um, that that means you are going to be gone. 
Uh, that means uh, that so we won't be seeing you and the family as often anymore. But please know that we appreciate the service that you have given here. You are a part of our family. And uh, we look forward to um, any time that you'll be down here because we're not coming to West Virginia. I'm just going to be honest about it. All right? I'm just going to be honest. But we love you, brother. And I believe uh, today uh, was probably going to be your last Sunday with us. Is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Then if that's the case, then make sure everybody in the back, make sure you go uh, give the big man a big hug. And um, be sure and pass that along to the rest of the family. We love you guys, and we appreciate you so much, Chris. Um, hey, and, and while we're, we're giving shout-outs, let me ask you if you can do something for me today. Uh, this is for those who are part of the East Brainerd family. Um, we need you to... Um, go online to our website and fill out a, um, a survey. Uh, you'll see the information here, the East Brainerd Satisfaction Survey at www.eastbrainerdchurch.org. And on that, we just want you to go in and just rate your church experience. Everything from worship to the comfort of the pews to your parking experience to uh, the teaching that you receive here. We just want to make sure that you're happy with everything that goes on here at at East Brainerd. So if you would, just go on, log on, fill out the survey, and that would be really, be really helpful, helpful to us. Now, I see that there are some of you over here that are already getting out your phones and you're logging in, and there are others of you that know that there's not a survey, right? You know that? Right? I mean, there, there is no East Brainerd satisfaction survey, right? Uh, now, we, we expect that from other organizations. We expect that from other organizations, restaurants, stores. Oftentimes, there's the customer service forms that you go and you fill out. And we're like, hey, give us five stars. Ten stars, all right? Give us ten stars and, and, and tell us what you think about us. And, and tell us what you like and what you didn't like. That's kind of our economy. It's the culture that we live in. We're constantly being catered to. And so this mindset kind of develops that, you know what? If my steak isn't done right, well, I'm just going to send it back. Because, I mean, this is what I'm paying for. And I want it the way that I, that I like it. And if I don't like the service that I'm getting, well, I'll just ask to speak to the manager. And, well, if the dry cleaner isn't cleaning my clothes the way I want, I'll just switch cleaners, right? I mean, that's the approach that we take. And then here's what happens. That mindset our mindset begins to seep into the way in which we approach our church life. And we find ourselves asking questions in church like, are my opinions the most important? Are my preferences being catered to? Am I being noticed? Am I being served? Which is the opposite question that those who are part of the, the body of Christ actually should be asking. It's not... Am I being served? But instead it's, well, am I serving? But we find ourselves sometimes with that kind of spirit. And you don't necessarily expect to see it in church, but I'm telling you, it pops up. It really does. And not only do you see it within the church houses, you, well, you also find it in the upper rooms. In John chapter 13, we step into the upper room of, of a house that has Jesus and the 12 disciples. It's after sundown and Jesus is preparing that evening for a meal with his followers. It's the final hours of his life. He doesn't have very much time left with them. And he's going to have to deal with an issue that has been repeating itself. 
Because you see, the disciples of Jesus have been arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest. Which of them was the most important? Now, it's the third time that we read about such an argument among the disciples. And Jesus seems to understand, you know what, the time is short and... I've spoken a lot about this, but it just seems like the sermons just aren't getting through. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, it was at his triumphal entry that Jesus would proclaim, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, look, if you want to know why I'm here, if you want to know why I'm here, it's because I came to serve you. It's because I came to put you first. It's because I came filled with grace and truth to show you this is who God is and my father is a servant. But it was a lesson the disciples had a hard time learning. Because very much like us, they lived in an economy that was totally different. Jesus taught that the first, well, we're going to be last. And if you wanted to be great, then you had to become the servant of all. But that's not really the world that we live in. In the world that we live in, you don't turn the other cheek, you hit the other cheek. In the world that we live in, you don't pray for your enemies, you defeat your enemies. In the world that we live in, if you want to be first, you have to elbow the people who are in front of you out of the way. And you know what? You see this from such a young age. We have a preschool here. And all these great little angels are in the hallways during the week. And when it comes time to go to the bathroom, it doesn't matter who has been told. Today, you are the line leader. Every single child thinks that they are the leader. And so you have this herd of children going down the hallway and their elbows, they're being thrown and, and, and there are kids reaching up and grabbing others by the nap of the neck. And I mean, there's like weeping and gnashing of teeth and there are these just dog piles in the middle. No, okay, it doesn't get that bad. But you've seen it from a young age, right? Everybody wants to be first. And if you want to be exalted in our world, then you've got to be noticed and you step into the spotlight whenever possible because in our world the well, the exalted are the exalted ones and Jesus was constantly I mean he was constantly showing a different path saying look I came to be a servant and he calls each one of us to the same type of life and it's that type of attitude and spirit that because it's so rare in our culture that when it's seen it becomes you know newsworthy That's why you can look on your Facebook feeds and you see the different pictures in the fall where you've got the football teams that that allow the, the young man who perhaps has some type of disability to be able to run the touchdown, right? You see the basketball games where the autistic children are are shooting the three-pointers and everybody's loving it because he or she's been the manager for the four years and now they get onto the court and they're able to play. And those things make the news and we look at that and say, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. When there's floods and all of a sudden here comes the neighborhood armada with all of their boats and everybody is trying to help out their neighbor. And we say that is what we want to be. It's the type of spirit that we are meant to have. But we're not often that way. If we're honest, we tend to want to pad our own stats. I mean, I might have 14 touchdowns, but 15 would be a lot better. And so let me be the one that scores. And we're concerned about being the greatest. And we're concerned about being the most important. 
And then we get inspired by these other stories. And sometimes we even feel guilty because we think, well, that's what I should be doing. With less than 24 hours and the clock ticking, Jesus had time for one more lesson. But this time he doesn't use words. Instead, he takes a bowl and he takes a towel. And he walks over to his arguing disciples. The noise begins to die down. The room becomes quiet. These status-seeking followers quietly watch the creator of the world, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the son of God, wash their dirty, smelly feet. Verse 4 reads, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around him. Now, in Jesus' day, this was a task, you know, that was reserved for the lowest of the servants. And here's the deal. There is, there was no question about what needed to be done. Nobody was sitting around wondering what needed to take place. Everybody knew that their feet were dirty. They were going to be reclining around a table. They were going to be sharing a meal together. They've been walking these dusty, dirty roads They knew their feet needed to be clean. But that was for the lowest. And none of the disciples wanted to admit that he was the bottom on the totem pole. And so they were waiting for for someone to do it. And Jesus is the one that volunteers. Friends, when you serve the way Jesus did, it means that you do what obviously needs to be done. It's kind of that simple. It's not about waiting for the big thing. It's not about waiting for the 100-year flood, and then I'm going to go and help my neighbor. It's not about waiting until the church has some great ministry to be involved in. Well, then I'm going to mark out time in my calendar. It's about doing the obvious. It's the simple things like picking up the trash that you see that's just sitting there on the sidewalk somewhere. It's the simple thing about just picking up a plate at home and carrying it and putting it in the dishwasher. It's just the simple thing of holding open the door. It's the simple thing of going to the hospital and sitting with the family. It's the simple thing of writing the note. It's the simple thing of buying a meal. You know, it's hard to wrap our mind around how it's just about the obvious. We see it. Our children volunteer for service hours, but man, they have a hard time just cleaning their room, right? And let's just be honest about something. We'll show up for snack packs on Wednesday nights, but we might not stay to help put the tables and chairs away. It's the obvious things. When you serve the way Jesus did, it means you see something that needs to be done, and you do it. You don't stand around and wait and wonder, well, I hope somebody comes along. Or I'm sure there's someone paid to take care of this. I'm sure that's somebody's responsibility. That's what Peter was thinking. Surely Bartholomew is going to get up and, and get a basin. Surely Matthew is going to get a towel. Thomas, come on, Thomas. Come on, start washing. We're ready to eat. And Jesus says, fine, I'll do the obvious. Our feet are dirty. They need to be cleaned. And so Jesus washes their feet. 
And when he finishes, he simply asks the question, do you understand what it is that I have been doing? Do you understand what's taken place? Do you understand what you have, what you have seen? And I can imagine as these men are sitting around this table from so many different backgrounds that they turn and they're looking at each other, thinking about how that their teacher has just been the one to do that lowest of tasks. See, when you serve in the way Jesus did, it means you do not discriminate in your service. Jesus serves, but he doesn't choose whom he will serve based on their worthiness or what they could do for him in return. You know, if we're honest, there's some people I'd rather serve than others. I'd much rather serve someone who could do something for me in return. I like having friends who have money. Yeah, and guess what? So do you. And you like helping those friends because maybe they're going to help you in some way. We all like having friends who have pickup trucks because when it comes time to move, right? That's why some of you, you sold your truck. You got rid of it. You didn't know. You didn't know that that was part of the deal. You didn't know that when you got a pickup, all of a sudden you got everybody's phone call when it came time to move something. And then when you figured it out, you were like, well, this thing's going on Craigslist. I mean, I got to get rid of this, right? You see, I want to serve people that are going to do something for me. But Jesus serves disciples that he knows within moments are going to abandon him. He serves disciples that he knows are going to betray him. He knows that they're going to deny him. And yet he washes their feet anyway. He washes the feet of Peter. He washes the feet of Matthew. He washes the feet of John. He washes the feet of Judas. How do you serve people like that? Um, let, Let me bring it closer to home for you. How do you serve a husband who's really never been thoughtful to your needs? How do you serve a wife who now rarely has a kind thing to say? How do you serve a child who just refuses to say thank you? How do you serve a father who, as you were growing up, was continually belittling you? How do you serve a coworker who stabs you in the back? How do you serve a friend who's always taking but never giving? You see, what we tend to do is we just fold up the towel and put it back in the drawer and say, well, you know what? Somebody else is going to have to do it. Somebody else is going to have to help. Somebody else is going to have to take care of that need because I'm just not going to do it. Somebody else is just going to have to step up for once. And we say, you know, don't they know what I do around here? Don't they know how late I stay up? Don't they know how early I come in? Don't don't they know how much I, I give? Fine. If that's the way they're going to be, then they can just fend for themselves. Guys, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus did not come to be paid back, but to serve. He did not come to be noticed. He came to serve. He did not come to get the raise. He came to serve. He did not come to be great. He didn't come to be recognized. He didn't come to be rewarded. He didn't come to be elected. He didn't come to be crowned. Jesus came to serve. And those who say that they wear his name 
wear his name proudly when in humility they're helping somebody else out. They're doing something that needs to be done. Because he calls on us to live the same kind of life. He served people like Peter who would deny him and Thomas who would doubt him. He served people like Judas who would betray him. And he came to serve people like you and like me. And it's hard. I get it. I know that. And yet that's what we're called to do. You see, these values that we have on the front of our glory, praise, and honor, these aren't just some kind of slogans that we thought, man, these would look really good on the front of a church bulletin. And it's not that we said, you know what? Uh, We have three expectations. Adore God, belong to a family, care for the community. And that really sounds good. It's that we actually believe that when you focus and you see Jesus, and the closer that you move to Jesus, you cannot help but be motivated to serve somebody else. There's a change that takes place. And one more quick thing. Jesus doesn't end this object lesson the way that we would expect. You say we expect Jesus to say, all right, now that I have washed your feet, it's your turn to wash mine. Right? I'm going to teach you. And then you in turn, you come to me and, and you wash my feet because that's how it works. In our terminology, we say, well, I scratched your back, you scratched Mine, turnabout is fair play. Or we say, you know what, membership has its privileges because this is how we think and this is how we act. Jesus is supposed to, in this setting, ask the disciples to come now and wash his feet because after all, he washed theirs. It's a quid pro quo. This is what you do. And I can see Peter, he's reaching for the towel. Bartholomew, he's jumping up and going to get the basin. They will serve the one who served them. But then Jesus stops them in their tracks. He says this in verse 14. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. See, I've given you an example. Go do as I have done to you. You see, there are times where it can be easiest, real easy for us to think, you know what, because I serve, I should be served. Because I've been a part of this church for so long, I should be listened to. I should be served. Just another example of our consumer mentality. The way that most Americans think when it comes to church, we just think that, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And sure, if you have a great children's ministry, and if I like the songs that you sing, and if you have classes and programs that I value, then I'm in. And so we define our church satisfaction by how it benefits us. And it's understandable. Because every other type of membership that we're involved in seems to have value to us. It's our advantage. Where the bottom line is, if I serve here, if I give money here, then what's in it for me? But here's the truth. When we serve the way Jesus did, it means that our feet might not get washed. It means our feet might not get washed. And that's a hard thing for us to hear. To think that we might be the ones that have to go around with dirty feet. That that we might be the ones who are not recognized. That we might be the ones who are never exalted. And yet life is going to go well for us if we will live with this type of spirit. And if we'll serve with this type of attitude. 
And so Jesus came to serve and he calls men and women, boys and girls. He says, come and follow in my footsteps and serve as I serve. You see, church is an unusual organization. Because it does not primarily exist for the satisfaction of its members. Read that up there. The church does not primarily exist for the satisfaction of its members. Because when you're a member of something, you have this sense of entitlement. When you're a member of something and you've given to it, you have this feeling that because I'm a member, because I have served, I deserve this. Now don't get me wrong, we want our members to be satisfied and and to be well fed. But we are more concerned with non-members and non-attenders than we are with the satisfaction of our members. Because Jesus came to serve, not to be served. If you want to be satisfied, if you want to be satisfied in, in church, if you want to be satisfied here at East Brainerd, if you want to be satisfied here as a Christian, it's not going to be by putting your bib on and pulling up to the table and, and waiting for someone to serve you. But it's taking the bib off, pushing back from the table, picking up a towel, and finding ways to serve and minister to other people. See, as we've been going through these values, I've been trying to point out that these values are not necessarily, are not necessarily to be looked at as trying to figure out, okay, what new ministry are we going to have that's going to embody this? So when we've talked about love and grace, when we've talked about truth, it's not so much of thinking, all right, what are we going to do as the church as a whole? I want you instead to think more about what are you going to do individually as church? As the child of God. You see, as we move closer to Jesus' sphere of influence, we are compelled to do good. And I mentioned a few weeks ago that it'd be great if we had three or four other ministries similar to our snack pack ministry at its size and in its scope. But more than that, what would be wonderful is to have more of the people of God at this place who say, I will live a life of service every day. See, service is not necessarily about moving others closer to Jesus. Service is the result of my moving closer to Jesus. My life being restored so that I live for something, so that I live for someone that's greater than myself. And that's what we're being called to do, and that's what we want to do as a congregation, and hope that our times, wherever we get together, just like this morning, are serving that position so that we might be encouraged to leave this place and go and be known as instruments of God. As servants, as his hands and feet, where God gets the glory and we fade into the background. Let me ask you one final question. Who washed Jesus' feet? You never read in this text that his feet was ever washed. I don't know, perhaps somebody did. Maybe James, maybe John, I, I don't know. 
Maybe one of them decided, hey, hey, Lord, let, let, me, let me wash yours. We don't have it there in the text. Or maybe, just maybe, maybe Jesus ate with dirty feet that night. Maybe he ate with dirty feet. Because at a time when it was all about him, he made it all about those who were in the room with him. At a time when it was all about him, he made it about those who were on the outside. At a night when it was all about him, his final night, he made it about those that God would call. There was a time in Jesus' teaching when he talks about how that there's coming a day Mr. Ernie likes to call it that great sheep and goat day. He says, there's coming a day when there's going to be a group. One will be on one side and one will be on the other. And one group will be told, one group will be told how blessed they are and how wonderful it was that when Jesus was hungry that they fed him. When he was thirsty, they gave him something to drink. When he was naked that they clothed him. When he was in prison that they came and visited and Jesus said, I know that when that day comes, there are going to be people out there who are going to say, Lord, when did we see any of this taking place? Lord, when did we ever wash your feet? And he says, whenever you did, whenever you did that for the littlest, for the smallest, for the most forgotten of my people, then you did it for me. I don't know if Jesus ever had his feet washed that night. But I do know that this week, your smallest act of service will do the job. You can wash the feet of Jesus this week by doing what's obvious. By not caring about who it is that you serve and by not being worried as to whether or not your feet are washed. Jesus said, I've come, I've come to serve, not to serve, not to be served. What would happen in Chattanooga if the people of Jesus served like he did? Father, I'm grateful for the hearts that are present in this room. And I am, I am humbled by the number of servants that are here. And I know that there are individuals here today that have done things in secret. They have, they have sacrificed they have given time. They have sweat drops of blood in order to help those who are around them. Father, I'm thankful for the way in which your spirit motivates your people. My prayer is that there would be more of us with that type of spirit. That there would be more of us who would, who would just do the obvious there would be more of us who wouldn't decide who's worthy and who's unworthy for service. 
That there would be more of us who wouldn't care whether or not we were served. But because of our love for you. And because we've moved closer to your son. That we would wash his feet. As we serve those around us. Father open our eyes and give us the opportunity. It might be today when we leave this place at lunch. It might be tonight. It might be some other time this week. But Father, put that opportunity in front of us that we might see the obvious and we might be motivated to do whatever it is that needs to be done in your name. Because we follow the example of your son. Allow us to wash his feet as we serve those that you bring into our sphere of influence. Thank you for the opportunity to serve in that way. So in the name of Jesus, that together we pray. Amen. Guys, you've been awesome today. So kind to listen to the lesson. So kind to be able to, to sing and to share in communion with one another. I appreciate the encouragement that, that you've given to me, that you've given to my, to my family. And we want to take the opportunity to encourage one another one more time. We're going to sing together. And you know what? If, if, if you're hurting this morning for some reason, if there's something that you're dealing with in your life and you would like for the church here to know more about that, to be able to go to God in prayer on your behalf, then we'd encourage you to, to come forward to let that be known. There's also a prayer room in our lobby. One of our elders will be there if you would like to go and to just share something privately. Maybe you've come today and you're like, you know what, I have, been, I have been served by others. And because of that, I have seen Jesus Christ and I have placed my faith in him and I want to be baptized into Christ today. We'll celebrate with you. We'd love for that to take place if that is your need. Whatever it is, we encourage you to come as together we stand and sing.